Well, let's get this Friday started, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into the Green Zone. I'm Jamie Nye here on CJME and CKOM. We've got a busy one for you this afternoon. Of course, we will keep you up to date on the Scotty's Tournament of Hearts. Maybe you'd like to weigh in on the great tie-breaking format we uh, went through yesterday on the draw to the button at the start of games, deciding who goes to the playoffs at the Scotty's Tournament of Hearts. There are no tie-breaking games. Not allowed at the Scotty's Tournament Hearts or the Briar. This is in line with the World Curling Federation rules as well. No tiebreakers. If you're tied, it's either head-to-head record decides it, and if that doesn't decide it, it will go down to the last rock draw. And if that doesn't decide it, then they just start taking away like the worst draw from throughout the week until somebody has a better average. I think it's silly, but here we are. Uh, Canada and Ontario, Rachel Holm and Carrie Anderson, probably the two favorites going in, not even probably. They were the two favorites going in. They're head-to-head right now. The loser drops to another qualifying game. The winner goes to the one-two page playoff game in another convoluted playoff format that format that I don't like. But I'm not going to waste too much time on the Scotty's Tournament Hearts format here on the Green Zone. We will also be discussing what broke late yesterday afternoon in the Canadian Football League, and this came from Rick Westhead, TSN's investigative reporter, that a lawsuit was filed against the Toronto Argonauts and quarterback Chad Kelly from a former assistant in the strength and conditioning department who is accusing the Toronto Argonauts of wrongful dismissal and accusing Chad Kelly of harassment. And this goes back to, well, throughout the season, really. What she's alleging is Chad Kelly was trying to ask her out a few times, being a little flirtatious, something she rejected all season long. And apparently, in this court document, She is alleging at one point when, once again, uh, she declined when it came to Chad Kelly. He started to get a little more disrespectful in front of team personnel and fellow players to which she confronted him personally, directly. And then it escalated in November, just ahead of their Eastern final, when He really started to berate her, is what she's alleging, to the point where her direct supervisor, the coach of strength and conditioning for the Argonauts, told her that maybe she should go home rather than lead the team. She leads some of their yoga yoga seminars. And instead of doing that, go home because she was told that at one point Chad Kelly said along the lines of, she's lucky I didn't hit her or cause her physical harm in some way, was the story she is putting forward in this court case. And she's not asking for millions. This is $86,000 in the wrongful dismissal and $50,000 from Chad Kelly. Also named in this is is John Murphy the assistant general manager 
uh, to pinball Clemens. And the accusations there is he was informed and told her in this lawsuit is where it's written that she opened a can of worms that shouldn't have been opened and that the Toronto Argonauts failed to comply with the CFL's own policy of reporting this to the league and make them informed so they could rule on it. And that is actually a league policy. This goes back to Jeffrey Orge's commissioner in 2015 when they did a violence policy, violence against women policy, harassment. All of that came in in 2015. But here is one part of the policy. It directly states the CFL will not do their own investigation. And I kind of can understand that. It's not like they have the means, like the NHL or NFL, to have the financials to do their own investigation. But it will be interesting to see how Randy Ambrosi handles this with a direct policy that states within it that there is grounds for supplemental discipline. But, of course, this is all in front of the courts. J.C. Abbott's going to join us uh, from Three Down Nation and talk through what we found out yesterday with a lawsuit alleging the Toronto Argonauts of wrongful dismissal and Chad Kelly of harassment. We're also going to take you to Chicago, check in with Connor Bedard with the Ben Pope of the Chicago Sun-Times. Uh, he is the Chicago Blackhawks beat reporter, the Winnipeg Jets, are there tonight and then on sunday it's the return of patrick kane to chicago with the detroit red wings as they'll honor the three-time stanley cup champion as he returns home to chicago and speaking of winnipeg on the athletic chris johnston nhl reporter has talked to mark chipman and uh-oh jet fans the business isn't good, apparently, with the Winnipeg Jets. To the point Mark Shipman says this is not sustainable at the current rate of ticket sales in Winnipeg. Here we go again, it sounds like, when it comes to the business of hockey in Winnipeg. Their season tickets at the start when they returned when Atlanta Thrashers moved to Winnipeg, we're up to 13,000, approximately 13,000 season tickets. They have dipped below 10,000. Average attendance is now 13,000. That is the second worst in the league. The worst being, of course, the Arizona Coyotes, whose arena only sits 4,800. And, of course, even bringing up Arizona in the same sentence as Winnipeg, when it comes to attendance woes, it brings you right back to where we were 30 years ago, when the Jets actually moved. It is something the NHL is watching closely. I just hope the NHL has as much patience with Winnipeg, Manitoba, as they do with Phoenix, Arizona, because that has been a gong show for years. Sure, it's a much bigger television market in Phoenix than it is in Winnipeg, but in terms of true hockey fans, I can't believe that it's a bigger market. Population-wise, yes. Hockey fandom-wise, no. But the Jets are doing a full-court press on trying to bring back season ticket holders and finding new ones just to have that base back close to where it was with the second-to-smallest arena in the National Hockey League. 
I can't say that I'm surprised when it comes to the business of the NHL in Winnipeg. And why uh, there's a lot of detractors that uh, for all those who say Saskatchewan, we, we could do it. I'm not sure if Winnipeg can't do it. I'm not looking at Saskatchewan as a viable market either. More to come here on the Green Zone. We'll also uh, talk a little bit about what happened last night in the NBA. Did you see the video of Kevin Durant? You can see it at Green Zone SK. As he came out for warm-ups, a pair of, I would, now that this, I'm not sure, I didn't take their blood alcohol level, but what appeared to be intoxicated fans used the B word at Kevin Durant as he ran out for warm-ups, and I thought it was hilarious what he did. He just turns around and walks up to them and goes, Really? What? This isn't a LeBron situation where he got him kicked out of the game. In fact, he came back when security looked as if they were going to kick them out, and he went, no, 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 it's it's fine. I just wanted to ask like, wh- why they're cursing at me as I'm taken to warm-ups. The f- funniest part of the clip is when the guy is on the treadmill going backwards when he's looking at a seven-foot-tall NBA superstar and starts talking about his dead brother-in-law from four years ago, and I got I got a podcast, and that's the point Kevin Durant's like, I've had enough of this conversation, I need to go warm up, see you later, bye. And the debate on Friday Face-Off is, Kevin Durant right in confronting heckling fans, or should these superstar NBA players be able to just ignore it and press on? This is 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Jamie and I with you here in the Green Zone on a Friday afternoon. Hope you're enjoying it. Looks like some snow is going to start to fly in Saskatchewan in the next couple of days. And I think we should all consider uh, this is a good thing uh, for the egg sector. We just had this week uh, the Watershed Authority saying it's going to be another dry spring. The D word, drought. So... Let some moisture fly in the province. Uh, That would help out a major, major uh, business in our province, of course. But we're talking about the uh, Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Chris wants to weigh in on Mark Chipman telling the Athletics' Chris Johnston that not sustainable is the current state of the Jets when it comes to ticket sales being on average below 13,000 with now their season ticket base below ten. Chris, how concerned should Jets fans be that maybe the NHL just might move them again? Well, Jamie, you know, I read the article by Chris Johnson on The Athletic there, and uh, actually, I don't think the article is as negative as some portray it to be. I mean, yes, obviously, you know, the numbers need to get back up when in regards to ticket sales, but uh, if you listen to what Chipman is talking about, like, they're actually putting in the work to rebuild that relationship. Like, you know, he talks about how when times were good, you know, they were kind of more of a uh, service organization than a sales one, and they didn't very, do a very good job of it. And so then he himself is actually helping out reach out to season ticket holders and saying like hey uh like why did you let your tickets lapse and what do we need to do to get you back in and uh i think that's refreshing to hear an organization actually admit that and commit to rebuilding that because it's no different than what's happened here in in this province with the riders it's basically give us your money or else 
and uh, you saw the empty seats last year at the stadium. Chris, uh, you're bang on because reading that from Mark Chipman, I went, whoa, that sounds familiar. Of uh, Probably took the fans for granted a little bit because uh, they, they were winning and the fans were coming. Then they went through COVID and fans either felt more comfortable at home or felt, hey, the product watching it on TV is way less expensive than having to pay big money to go to an NHL game or a rider game and spend all the gas money and all that other stuff because, let's be honest, Winnipeg needs to have some people coming from out of town to support the Jets like the riders do here in the Canadian Football League. And I'll tell you, Chris, well, I've been told this. Craig Reynolds told this uh, this at Grey Cup when I had that one-on-one with him. You know, they're doing similar stuff, reaching out to fans again. How can we get you back? What can we do better? Surveys, etc. We'll see. And when you really put the boots on the ground and go to work, you will see growth again. When you lend out a hand and say, hey, we appreciate you. We'd love to have you back. Maybe not right away. Maybe there's some other incentives to get you back here and there. Ten pack of tickets in the NHL, a three pack of tickets in the CFL. Then you grow further. That's just that should be happening all the time. But as you're selling out, and Winnipeg was selling out, times are good. You went to a conference final. People are showing up. Sponsorship's good. Hey, the job gets easy, and you. St- start to lean into hey we're doing pretty good and then all of a sudden after covid people are looking around saying where did where did where did everybody go and times are tough we've talked about it a lot of course evan bray talks about it a lot on his show which is affordability and everything and when people have to make strong decisions when interest rates go up and you're worried about your mortgage yeah you're not going to spend the ten thousand dollars on winnipeg jet season tickets or even a thousand bucks or two grand on rider season tickets. That's the reality of it. And you have to work harder and be smarter about how you are bringing people into your building. And it looks like the Winnipeg Jets are putting the work in. But as I mentioned earlier, I hope, I hope they're a little like they give the Jets about 30 years, like they've given the Arizona Coyotes to figure some things out. Jamie and I with you here in the Green Zone on a Friday afternoon, keeping you up to date on the uh, Scotties, the Page playoff qualifying games going on right now. They're down to the final six. Uh, Jennifer Jones up 4-3 on Alberta. And you have Rachel Holman up 3-2 on Canada. And Kerry Anderson this afternoon. The losers uh, drop down to play the three seeds from the round robin. The winners of these games will play each other in the one-two page playoff game at the Scotties. Also, still coming up on the Green Zone, we'll hear from Robert Church of the Saskatchewan Rush ahead of their game this coming weekend against Halifax on Superhero Night tomorrow at Sastel Center. Well, it was late in the show yesterday when the story broke from TSN's Rick Westhead, their investigative journalist, on a court case that was put forward on Wednesday of this week towards the Toronto Argonauts and quarterback Chad Kelly. A former employee is accusing the Toronto Argonauts of wrongful dismissal and as well 
accusing Chad Kelly of harassment and asking for 86000 for the wrongful dismissal, 50000 from Chad Kelly for violating the human rights in, a, in the case of the harassment. And this goes back to what she is alleging has taken place over the last season. Chad Kelly making some advances, asking her out. She denied. She denied. And then it started to get a little bit more personal in front of team employees. Vulgar language, threats. She confronted him. It escalated, apparently, in this lawsuit to the point where she met with the assistant general manager, John Murphy, and in the lawsuit, The quote is, you opened a can of worms that didn't need to be opened in confronting Chad Kelly about his behavior towards you. As she was notified in late January, her contract would not be renewed with the Toronto Argonauts. Now what? For Randy Ambrosi in the Canadian Football League. And we bring on J.C. Abbott of Three Down Nation here on the Green Zone who pointed out, uh, J.C., that you're looking at this if it's found to be true if this goes through a court case um this should be big time trouble for the argonauts john murphy and chad kelly yeah it has that potential now any conversation of this troublesome situation needs to start out with the fact that these are simply allegations at this point um what's put forth in the lawsuit has not yet been proven in court um there will be you know, due process that needs to happen here in order to confirm the circumstances and the facts of this particular case. Um, and certainly we don't want to speculate on the validity for either side, because if this is true, it's it's horrible for the woman involved. And also we need to be cognizant of all the individuals involved with the, organo- the Argonauts organization that we're not throwing them all under the bus too early either. But if there is any validity to this, the CFL has set a pretty stringent precedent with how they've handled situations involving any sort of violence or harassment against women, and that has been blackballing players from the league, right? And that has been in circumstances where there have been criminal charges pressed. I know people are familiar with the Jerome Messam situation in which that was the case but also in circumstances where there have not been any criminal charges and in which there haven't even been uh, a civil lawsuit, like was the case with Nate Hawley a number of years ago. So the CFL has pretty broad discretion here uh, in the commissioner's office to do what they see fit if they see validity in, in the accusations in this lawsuit. And to me, the precedent they've set with other players of course, players of, of much less notable standing than Chad Kelly, is if this happens, you cannot play in our league. J.C. Abbott joining us of Three Down Nation. Uh, I want to go back to the name you mentioned in Nate Hawley. For those uh, not familiar with that case, uh, this was uh, a relationship uh, he had in which somebody on Instagram, uh, social media, detailed his harassment Um, screen grabs, things like that. As you mentioned, it never went to a criminal trial or anything like that, but this Canadian Football League, um, and he was the rookie of the year in the Canadian Football League, or a nominee anyways, from the Calgary Stampeders, went, you cannot sign him. 
And that's precedent. Right there is precedent. It wasn't a criminal trial or anything. These were very, very awful accusations towards the player. Never went through a court or civil trial in which the CFL said, not a chance are you signing him. And that brings us to this. Like, how much have they, because of that precedent and Randy Ambrosi's precedent, has put them in a pretty rock and a hard place here with how they're going to handle Chad Kelly through this court proceeding. And and, and it it could come down to, of course, a settlement of some sort where it actually never goes to trial. Yeah, that's certainly the case, right? Now, there is no cut-and-dry regulation here, right? The, the commissioner has the discretion to make these choices, but what Randy Ambrosi has set as a precedent throughout his tenure is that he is is going to blackball players where this is the circumstance, right? And, and Nate Hawley had situations in his past. There was a previous criminal trial for assault and kidnapping in which he was found not guilty, which preceded those allegations and preceded his time in the CFO, but undoubtedly led the league to be a little bit harsher on him. But we all know Chad Kelly's history as well. And while there's nothing on the record regarding women with him in the past, he's certainly not a guy who has earned himself the benefit of the doubt with his past actions. Now, the league could say, you know, there's not enough evidence here. The circumstance is unique. We don't want to lose Chad Kelly. And it's at the commissioner's discretion to do that. But if there is not some form of punishment for Chad Kelly, and indeed if they don't follow the precedent they've already set, if and if only there is validity to these claims, then they are opening themselves up to a lot of criticism not just from people who believe that Chad Kelly should be punished if this is true, but also from other players who have undergone similar circumstances and have been treated much more harshly. So as we watch this, the the CFO has to sort of walk a tightrope in this circumstance with the level of notoriety that Kelly has on, on both sides of the border. And it's, I think, telling that while they've issued a statement uh, in the aftermath of, of Rick Westhead's report to Three Down Nation and other media outlets, they have not put out anything on their own social media channels at this point or issued any other public statement. So clearly they're circling the wagons right now and figuring out what their next step is going to be because they know all eyeballs are on them. And in 2015, this was when Jeffrey Orge was the commissioner, the CFL established a uh, violence uh, against women policy in terms of harassment, sexual harassment, um, physical assault, those types of things. And in that policy, uh, when there are reports, teams are and individuals are supposed to put a report to the league's office. That is in the policy. Mm-hmm. And that is part of this case. Like already there is that aspect of it is did the Toronto Argonauts follow proper protocol when this coach is alleging in this lawsuit she reported this. She had these conversations with people within the organization, and apparently the CFL just found out about it yesterday when Rick West had posted it on TSN or when he reached out for the, to them for comment initially on Wednesday afternoon or Thursday morning. Yeah, 
and, and, and that's mentioned specifically in the lawsuit that she alleges that the Argos did not follow that protocol. At this stage, we don't know exactly how high it went in the Argonauts organization or who was made aware. We know she alleges a conversation with Assistant General Manager John Murphy, who has a uh, you know checkered past in his own right and, and was recently off an indefinite suspension from the league uh, for an altercation with a fan, and, and that her direct supervisor was informed. It's possible that this stayed with those two men. It's possible it went higher. We don't know the facts right now, but certainly it should have been reported by those people if she indeed informed them to the league office, and there should have been steps taken at that point. It does not appear that that was the case in any way, shape, or form. And, and this is always complicated on where they go from here. What's the ruling if these uh, accusations are true? Or, as I said, if the if it ends up in a settlement, we'll we'll see where these charges in this case go. But JC, when I when I try to decide, okay, what's appropriate? This is a workplace, right? These are professionals. This is a professional workplace. If I or you conducted ourselves in the alleged behavior that we are speaking of with Chad Kelly in this incident, do you think either of us would be able to keep our jobs? I know I certainly would not be able to. And and, and I think that's an important fact to note here, Jamie, is there's there's a different burden of proof here and a different expectation this is not a criminal case. It's not something that has to be proved beyond a reasonable doubt. And even beyond the civil case, the CFL has, as we've mentioned, set a precedent where they don't even need a large burden of proof uh, in that she wins the civil trial, even if there's a settlement, even if it's decided that she doesn't win her damages. The league could very well, through its own investigation, find that enough policies were violated that they believe there is an action that needs to be taken. That's what they have reserved the right to do. And certainly this is behavior that would not be acceptable in any workplace, what is being alleged. And and a football team is no exception to that. I think this is a reckoning that we're having throughout society right now, and rightfully so. And And right now, the Toronto Argonauts are are in the eye of the storm because of of handling what is, you know, a, a very unique and largely unprecedented situation in this league. And this is a, a longer term employee. When he talks to the strength and conditioning coach, uh, she's been around the organization and employed for six years uh, with the uh, Toronto Argonauts uh, as well. So uh, she has been a familiar face in CFL circles uh, with the Toronto Argonauts. Uh, for the better part of the last decade. Uh, But, J.C., we'll leave it there. Thank you for discussing a complex case on the desk right now of Randy Ambrosi. Thanks for having me on, Jamie. That is J.C. Abbott. You can check out his work, as always, at 3downnation.com. What do you think on this story? 1-877-332-8255. When you read through, of course... Innocent until proven guilty. That is how this works. As it should in Canada. But as you read through what is being submitted in court, I go back to what I just spoke of of JC. Read through that. 
and the accusations being directed at Chad Kelly on how he behaved towards a fellow employee, I don't really care the gender because you scream, yell, threaten anybody in in front of fellow employees like that. And then on top of it, she's accusing that this all has to do with the fact that he's trying to ask her out on dates and stuff like that, and she's, nope, not interested. Thank you very much. Um... Yeah, you'd be reprimanded, if not full out, kicked out of your workplace. So that just started. It was filed on Wednesday and now being reported by Rick Westhead of TSN. Uh, Coming up here on the Green Zone this day in sports, plus... We still have to tell you who's playing for 1900 bucks in the Green Zone Tic Tac 20 contest. It's all directly ahead on 980-CJME and 650-CKOM. Hepbridge Farm remembers. On this day in sports history, February 23rd, 1985, Patrick Waugh makes his debut in the NHL. Also on this day in 1993, for the first time ever, it was announced that the CFL is going to the United States as Sacramento and the gold miners were admitted as the CFL's ninth franchise and first U.S. team. And I remember where I was on this day, February 23rd, 2014. Sidney Crosby takes off. Crosby with a breakaway. Scores! Counted down, Canada. You've got another gold. Yes. It was early in the morning. Brad Wall changed the liquor laws so we could drink in the morning. Why? So we could watch the Olympic gold medal game as Canada beat Sweden 3 nothing. In Sochi, Russia. I was at the old Lancaster Tap House in Harbor Landing on this day in 2014. What was that start? It was like a 6 a.m. start time or something like that. One of the greatest things Brad Wall ever did. Allowed us to have a morning beer while watching hockey in the Olympics. 